Chapter forty nine of the Fortunes of Glencore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Fortunes of Glencore by Charles James Lever. Chapter forty nine. Social Diplomacies what an insufferable bore dear princess sighed sir horace as he opened the square-shaped envelope that contained his royal highness's invitation to dinner i mean to be seriously indisposed said madame de sabloukoff one gets nothing but chagrin in intercourse with petty courts like provincial journals they only reproduce what has appeared in the metropolitan papers and give you old gossip for fresh intelligence or worse again ask you to take an interest in their miserable localisms the microscopic contentions of insect life they have given us a sentry at the door i perceive said sir horace with assumed indifference a very proper attention remarked the lady in a tone that more than half implied the compliment was one intended for herself have you seen the chevalier stubber yet asked upton no he has been twice here but i was dressing or writing notes and you i told him to come about two o'clock sighed sir horace i rather liked stubber this was said in a tone of such condescension that it sounded as though the utterer was confessing to an amicable weakness in his nature i rather liked stubber though there was something meant to invite agreement in the tone the princess only accepted the speech with a slight motion of her eyebrows and a look of half unwilling assent i know he's not of your world dear princess but he belongs to that anglo-saxon stock we are so prone to associate with all the ideas of rugged unadorned virtue rugged and unadorned indeed echoed the lady and yet never vulgar rejoined upton never affecting to be other than he is and stranger still not self-opinionated and conceited i own to you she said haughtily that the whole court here puts me in mind of haiti with its marquis of orgiat and its count marmalade these people elevated from menial station to a mock nobility only serve to throw ridicule upon themselves and the order that they counterfeit no socialism in europe has done such service to the cause of democracy as the prince of massa honesty is such a very rare quality in this world that i am not surprised at his highness prizing it under any garb now stubber is honest he said so himself i am told yes he says so and i believe him he has been employed in situations of considerable trust and always acquitted himself well such a man cannot have escaped temptations and yet even his enemies do not accuse him of venality good heavens what more would he have than his legitimate spoils he is a minister of the household with an ample salary a master of the horse an inspector of woods and forests a something over church lands and a red cross of massa besides i am quite made up in his dignities for they are all set forth on his visiting card with what purports to be a coat of arms at top and as she spoke she held out the card in derision that's silly i must say said upton smiling and yet i suppose that here in massa it was requisite he should assert all his pretensions thus openly perhaps so said she dryly 
and after all said upton who seemed rather bent on a system of mild tormenting after all there is something amiable in the weakness of this display it smacks of gratitude it is like saying to the world see what the munificence of my master has made me what a delicate compliment too to his nobles which proclaims that for a station of trust and probity the prince must recruit from the kitchen and the stables to my thinking there is no such impertinent delusion as that popular one which asserts that we must seek for everything in its least likely place take ministers out of counting-houses and military commanders from shop-boards for the treatment of weighty questions in peace or war the gentleman element is the first essential just as long as the world thinks so dear princess not an hour longer the princess arose and walked the room in evident displeasure she half suspected that his objections were only devices to irritate and she determined not to prolong the discussion the temptation to reply proved however too strong for her resolution and she said the world has thought so for some centuries and when a passing shade of doubt has shaken the conviction have not the people rushed from revolution into actual bondage as though any despotism were better than the tyranny of their own passions i opine said upton calmly that the prestige of the gentleman consists in his belonging to an order now that is a privilege that cannot be enjoyed by a mere popular leader it is like the contrast between a club and a public meeting it is something that you confess these people have no prestige said she triumphantly indeed their presence in the world of politics to my thinking is a mere symbol of change an evidence that we are in some stage of transition so we are madame there is nothing more true every people of europe have outgrown their governments like their young heirs risen to manhood ordering household affairs to their will the popular voice now swells above the whisper of cabinets so long as each country limits itself to home questions this spirit will attract but slight notice let the issue however become a great international one and you will see the popular will declaring wars cementing alliances and signing pieces in a fashion to make statecraft tremble and you approve of this change and welcome it asked she derisively I have never said so madame i foresee the hurricane that's all men like stubber are to be seen almost everywhere throughout europe they are a kind of declaration that for the government and guidance of mankind the possession of a good head and an honest heart is amply sufficient that rulers neither need fourteen quarterings nor names coeval with the roman empire you have given me but another reason to detest him said the princess angrily i don't think i shall receive him to-day but you want to speak with him about that villa there is some formality to be gone through before a foreigner can own property here i think you promised glencore you would arrange the matter she made no reply and he continued poor fellow a very short lease would suffice for his time he is sinking rapidly the conflict his mind wages between hope and doubt has hastened all the symptoms of his malady in such a struggle a woman has more courage than a man say more boldness princess said upton slyly i repeat courage sir it is fear and nothing but fear that agitates him he is afraid of the world's sneer afraid of what society will think 
and say and write about him afraid of the petty gossip of the millions he will never see or hear of this cowardice it is that checks him in every aspiration to vindicate his wife's honour and his boy's birth si cela se peut said upton with a very equivocal smile a look of haughty anger with a flush of crimson on her cheek was the only answer she made him i mean that he is really not in a position to prove or disprove anything he assumed certain levities i suppose the word will do to mean more than levities he construed indiscretions into grave faults and faults into crimes but that he did all this without sufficient reason or that he now has abundant evidence that he was mistaken i am unable to say nor is it with broken faculties and a wandering intellect that he can be expected to review the past and deliver judgment on it the whole moral of which is what a luckless fate is that of a foreign wife united to an english husband there is much force in the remark said upton calmly to have her thoughts and words and actions submitted to the standard of a nation whose moral subtleties she could never comprehend to be taught that a certain amount of gloom must be mixed up with life just as bitters are taken for tonics that ennui is the sure type of virtue the low spirits the healthiest condition of the mind these are her first lessons no wonder if she finds them hard ones to be told that all the harmless familiarities she had seen from her childhood are dangerous freedoms all the innocent gaieties of the world about her are snares and pitfalls is to make existence little better than a penal servitude this is lesson the second while to complete her education she is instructed how to assume a sensorial rigidity of manner that would shame a duenna and a condemnatory tone that assumes to arraign all the criminals of society and pass sentence on them how amiable she may become in disposition and how suitable as a companion by this training you sir and your countrymen are best able to pronounce you rather exaggerate our demerits my dear princess said upton smiling we really do not like to be so very odious as you would make us you are excellent people with whom no one can live that's the whole of it said she with a saucy laugh if your friend lord glencore had been satisfied to stay at home and marry one of his own nation he might have escaped a deal of unhappiness and saved a most amiable creature much more sorrow than falls to the lot of the least fortunate of her own country i conclude you have some influence over him as much perhaps as any one but even that says little can you not use it therefore to make him repair a great wrong you had some plan i think said he hesitatingly yes i have written to her to come down here i have pretended that her presence is necessary to certain formalities about the sale of the villa i mean that they should meet without apprising either of them i have sent the boy out of the way to pontremoli to make me a copy of some frescoes there till the success of my scheme be decided i did not wish to make him a party to it you don't know glencore at least as i know him there is no reason that i should broke she in what i would try is an experiment every detail of which i would leave to chance were this a case where all the wrong were on one side and all the forgiveness to come from the other friendly aid and imposition might well be needed but here is a complication which neither you nor i 
nor any one else can pretend to unravel let them meet therefore and let fate if that be the name for it decide what all the prevention and planning in the world could never provide for the very fact that their meeting has been plotted beforehand will suggest distrust their manner in meeting will be the best answer to that said she resolutely there will be no acting between them depend upon it he told me that he had destroyed the registry of their marriage nor does he know where a single witness of the ceremony can be found i don't want to know how he could make the amende till i know that he is ready to do it said she in the same calm tone to have arranged a meeting with the boy had perhaps been better than this glencore has not avowed it but i think i can detect misgivings for his treatment of the youth this was my first thought and i spoke to young massey the evening before lord glencore arrived i led him to tell me of his boyish days in ireland and his home there a stern resolution to master all emotions seemed to pervade whatever he said and though perhaps the effort may have cost him much his manner did not betray it he told me that he was illegitimate that the secret was divulged to him by his own father that he had never heard who his mother was nor what rank in life she occupied when i said that she was one in high station that she was alive and well and one of my own dearest friends a sudden crimson covered his face as quickly followed by a sickly pallor and though he trembled in every limb he never spoke a word i endeavoured to excite in him some desire to learn more of her if not to see her but in vain the hard lesson he had taught himself enabled him to repress every semblance of feeling it was only when at last driven to the very limits of my patience i abruptly asked him have you no wish to see your mother that his coldness gave way and in a voice tremulous and thick he said my shame is enough for myself i was burning to say more to put before him a contingency the mere shadow of a possibility that his claim to birth and station might one day or other be vindicated i did not actually do so but i must have let drop some chance word that betrayed my meaning for he caught me up quickly and said it would come too late if it came even to-day i am that which i am by many a hard struggle you'll never see me risk a disappointment in life by any encouragement i may give to hope I then averted to his father, but he checked me at once, saying, When the ties that should be closest in life are stained with shame and dishonour, they are bonds of slavery, not of affection. My debt to Lord Glencore is the degradation I live in, none other. His heritage to me is the undying conflict in my heart between what I once thought I was and what I now know I am. If we met, it would be to tell him so in a word every feature of his father's proud unforgivingness is reproduced in the boy and i dreaded the very possibility of their meeting if ever lord glencore avow his marriage and vindicate his wife's honour his hardest task will be reconciliation with this boy all and more than all the evils i anticipated have followed this insane vengeance said upton i begin to think that one ought to leave a golden bridge even to our revenge princess assuredly wherever a woman is the victim said she smiling for you are so certain to have reasons for distrusting yourself upton sat meditating for some time on the plan of the princess had it only originated with himself 
it was exactly the kind of project he would have liked he knew enough of life to be aware that one can do very little more than launch events upon the great ocean of destiny that the pretension to guide and direct them is oftener a snare than anything else that the contingencies and accidents the complications too which beset every move in life disconcert all one's prearrangements so that it is rare indeed when we are able to pursue the same path towards any object by which we have set out as the scheme was however that of another he now scrutinized it and weighed every objection to its accomplishment constantly returning to the same difficulty as he said you do not know glencore the man who has but one passion one impulse in life is rarely a difficult study was the measured reply lord glencore's vengeance has worn itself out exactly as all similar outbreaks of temper do for want of opposition there was nothing to feed nothing to minister to it he sees i have taken care that he should see that his bolt has not struck the mark that her position is not the precarious thing he meant to make it but a station as much protected and fenced round by its own conventionalities as that of any the proudest lady in society for one that dares to impugn her there are full fifty ready to condemn him and all this has been done without reprisal or recrimination no partisanship to arraign his moroseness and his cruelty none of that coterie defence which divides society into two sections this of course has wounded his pride but it has not stimulated his anger but above all it has imparted to her the advantage of a dignity of which his vengeance was intended to deprive her you must be a sanguine and a hopeful spirit princess if you deem that such elements will unite happily hereafter said upton smiling i really never carried my speculation so far replied she it is in actual life as in that of the stage quite sufficient to accompany the actors to the fall of the curtain the chevalier stubber madame said a servant entering wishes to know if you will receive him yes no yes tell him to come in said she rapidly as she resumed her seat beside the fire End of chapter forty nine